Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here. What an incredible story we have for you today. Oh, man, isn't it? Wow, I'll tell you what, all, all kinds of cool stuff going on, not the least of which is that Hanukkah is coming up. And we have some services coming up. Uh, the uh, 23rd from 7 to 9, that's our Monday night service. I believe that's Locky night, right? It sure is. It Potato sure is. pancakes. That's right, baby. So if, you don't, uh, if you've never had a Locky, then uh, this may be uh, a time for you. And uh, I'd definitely encourage you to come and partake because it is amazing. Um, and then on uh, Shabbat uh, on the 28th, we're also having uh, a service as well and an Oneg for Hanukkah. And, uh, and don't forget, so last weekend on the 14th, uh, Saturday, we did the historical significance of Hanukkah. And coming up this Shabbat, the 21st, we're doing the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. And I believe that's right. Might even sprinkle some Haggai in there. Oh, my goodness. And then it is uh, after the Shabbat, the Monday and Shabbat, and then the following Sunday that we're having our, our Hanukkah services. So, again, uh, this weekend, the 21st, normal service. Then Monday night, the 23rd, is our first Hanukkah celebration from 7 to 9. Then that next Shabbat, the 28th, uh, our normal service time is a Hanukkah celebration and an Oneg after the service. And then following that, our normal scheduled new moon service will be also a Hanukkah celebration with Howie and Alin from 6 to 8. So um, that's the Hanukkah stuff going on, so you guys know uh, what we're doing. We'll be live streaming services as well as obviously being here live and in living color. Um, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. Would love to hear from you guys. And uh, let's jump in. Vayashev. We are studying the Torah portion, Vayashev, which means, and he's settled. And this can be found uh, starting in the book of Genesis in chapter 37 and verse 1 and ending in chapter 40 and verse 23. Just a quick review here in, in the book of Genesis. It's called the book of beginnings. And a key phrase that's found in the book of Genesis is these are the generations of. So once again, we have chapters 1 through 10 is the race as a whole. Uh, all of the homo sapiens, the whole human race, chapters 1 through 10. And now we're going to get into the family of Abraham, the patriarchal history of Israel. Uh, we have, of course, Abraham in chapters 12 to almost 25. And then, of course, we have Isaac in chapter uh, 25. Then we have Jacob. Okay, Jacob is from chapter 27 to almost, uh, I believe, chapter 36. Now, the interesting thing is we're going into the final patriarch of the Bible here in, jo in Joseph, in Genesis, uh, actually chapter 37 through 50. So in regards to, of course, Joseph, the story of Joseph and his family, we have nearly 13 chapters. Remember, that's going to play out uh, in the future, even the times in which we live today. And so we have an incredible story to share with you. All right. Uh, it's interesting. You know, my, my second son, Nehemiah, his middle name is Yosef. It's a good name. Y-O-S-E-F. 
because he was in addition Bummer. to Josiah. Joseph, that's that's good. So we're going to read about Joseph has a dream. Ryan's going to read Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. This is an incredible part of the story that we all need to reflect upon and keep in mind. Uh, even in the future, you're going to see how this is relevant for today. All right, chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. Uh, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more and his dreams, uh, for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a uh, dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee in the, uh, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Wow. Yeah. So Joseph has a dream, you know. So Joseph was actually, uh, you know, uh, as, as we develop the story, he's 17 years old. Genesis 37, verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob, of course, his lineage. Joseph being 17 years old. All right. And so once again, you know, uh, here's the interesting thing. Joseph brought back an evil report in regard to his brethren, to his father, while he was with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. Yeah, he's not making any friends. No. Remember, it's already been stated that Jacob loved Rachel. Uh, and he really loves Joseph. So Rachel has passed away. And now, of course, we still have uh, the three mothers, Leah, Bilhah, and Zilpah. And so he's hanging out with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. And of course, you know, uh, he brought back an evil report. He told on them. He's a tattletale. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they don't like it already. So not only is he like the favorite, but he's telling on them. Well, and here's the thing. This is not a bunch of kids either. This is adults. Right. right? So these men are, are grown and they're well yeah they have to be if he's 17 in the baby oh exactly so you've got to think that um that there were... i'm sorry he's not the baby there's benjamin there is benjamin but you've got to think that there's real consequences for his tattletaling right so they may have been docked wages or or food or or you know inheritance of some sort by you know him coming and telling on them for certain things so i mean that would probably make somebody pretty mad uh, more than just hey, oh he hit me, oh he's breathing my air, like little tattletaling. You know, this is right. this is significant. You know, it's interesting because you know Israel uh, did love Joseph the most out of them, and and he made he made Joseph a coat of many colors. Uh, as you develop this in the Hebrew, Ryan, this is very interesting. 
He made Joseph a coat of many colors. In the, in the Hebrew, it means pieces. Mm. So what does that like signify? Like different ethnic groups, they're going to come from Joseph. Yeah. Through his son Ephraim would come many nations, ethnic groups. Always keep that in mind, you know. And why do I say that? Because this, this coat has many pieces, you know. And so what we're seeing today, we're seeing a lot of... Uh, uh, ethnic groups fighting one another. We're seeing different factions coming into play here, um, and then of course, you know, we have to be we have to be cautious and careful that you know the house of Israel isn't just one race or one ethnic group. Oh yeah, you know, we got to be careful with that. You know, we really, really do because once again, the whole house of Israel is made up of Jews and non-Jews. You need to understand that because of the prophecy or the promise that was given to Ephraim, that he would become many different ethnic groups. And you can't explain it any other way, everyone listening to the podcast, why would a non-Jew, a Gentile be drawn to the things of the Torah, the Jewish people, Israel? Why? Why is that? Why is that phenomenon? You know, I ask my pastor friends, how do you explain uh, people that are not Jewish you know, being accused of being Jewish or whatever, yeah. uh, keeping the Shabbat. And actually, one of my pastor friends said, it must be the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. It must be the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's brothers hated him because their father loved him more than them. You know, he, he actually showed favoritism. It was very evident. It wasn't yeah. some vain imagination. It was very evident. And in Joseph's first dream, they were all binding sheaves in the field, and his sheaves stood upright. And Joseph's brothers' sheaves made obeisance to his sheaf or bowed down to him. Now in Joseph's second dream, the sun, moon, and the 11 stars made obeisance to him or bowed down to him. And of course, once again, he is sharing these dreams with his family. And the great million dollar question is, was he told to share the dreams or not? And he goes on to say that Jacob rebuked Joseph after hearing about the second dream and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying, Mm. you know, uh, and of course, he rebuked him for that. Like, what do you think? Your mother and I are going to, you know, we're going to bow down to you. What, what is this? What do you, what, what's going on here? You know? And, uh, and of course we know that, uh, Joseph was given the dream. Uh, remember only God can interpret dreams. Never go to somebody else and, and ask them to explain your dream. Yeah. Uh, because you know what? God will interpret the dream, you know, and that's very important. So what happened is, is Time is going by here. Jacob sent Joseph to go check on his brethren from Hebron to Shechem. Now, that's quite a distance if you haven't journeyed that or looked at that. Uh, But like I said, they were, of course, uh, traveling around. Um, They were actually looking for, for, you know, fields and and, and for vegetation and stuff for for the livestock and the cattle and everything. So he check on the flock, you know. Now, a certain man found Joseph wandering in the field and told him his brethren were in Dothan, you know. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know what? No, he told him where? Tell him Dothan. What does it say in 3715? Uh, in 3715, it says, And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man, told, uh, and the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them. That's right. So he was going, he was making his way to Shechem, ran into the guy. He says, No, they're in Dothan. Yeah. So he's 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 being directed towards towards his brethren. That's exactly what the story is. That's very good. Now when Joseph's brethren saw him coming, they conspired to slay him. Oh, here comes this dreamer. 
Yeah. Well, Let's and get him. you got to think that, that wow. if he's coming, that's only what sent by by dad to come and check on us, to spy on us, and come back with a report. Oh yeah, They're, they've had enough. It says right here, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Boom. Wow, that's some sibling rivalry, you know. Oh yeah, that's the spirit of Cain right there, Cain and Abel. Um, and this thing's going to be playing out here. I mean, this is unbelievable. And of course, uh, Reuben did not want Joseph to be killed, but agreed to throw him into a pit so he could bring him back to their father at a later time. And once again, it was a it was a, a waterless pit. So Joseph uh, stripped him of his coat of many colors, and of course, they cast him uh, into the pit without water, a waterless pit. Uh, once again, these are, are used to collect water. So it's kind of interesting that if there is no um, water in these pits, you can probably figure out what time of year it would be because they would go and collect water from these cisterns or these pits, you know, right. but it was waterless. And so now all of a sudden they wanted to kill him. One guy, you know, uh, says, you know, we can't do that. We throw him in the pit. And of course we know that it was, it was Judah's idea to sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. Yeah, check what he says. He says, what profit is it that we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Right? Yeah. You know, this story of Joseph, you know, he's a type of Messiah. It's a type of Messiah. As you see this being played out, you know, stripping him, throwing him into the pit, you know, selling him for silver, pieces of silver, 20 pieces of silver. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he sold. And so as Joseph was brought into Egypt... Reuben returned to an empty pit and rent his clothes. Now, remember, what is Reuben known for, Ryan? Did, did he lose the birthright? Uh, I believe it's a great sandwich. And, and what did he do? <laughs> yeah, Reuben well, is a good sandwich. He, well, he defiled his father's bed, so I think this was probably his plan to try to get back in his father's favor. Yeah, that's true, too. So, wow, this guy's making a comeback. Reuben yeah. cared. Yeah. And you got to remember now, Joseph sees all this playing out with his brothers. He knows... Who's who. Who's speaking and oh, who's yeah. doing what. You know, we'll figure that out later, but... And so anyway, uh, Joseph's brothers deceived their father that a wild beast had killed Joseph. You know what? And how do they pull that off? Well, they killed a goat of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. So here we go. The first reference to a raiment or clothing. Hey, Dad, check this out. There's blood all over it. It's torn up. Now, Jacob's response to Joseph's coat with the blood on it made him rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins, and he mourned for his son many days. Yeah, no, he was bummed out for sure. I mean, so think about that, everyone. That you know, here's his favorite son. His wife has already died, the one that he loved more than Leah. Now he's lost his oldest uh, son from Rachel, but he still has Benjamin. But what happens is the Midianites, and I got in parentheses here, the Ishmaelites sold Joseph to Potiphar because when you got the Midianites and Ishmaelites traveling together or doing commerce together, whatever, it's very interesting. Uh, they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. So here, here's a great question, Ryan, for even for all of you listening, and maybe you can share a little bit your thoughts on this uh, because um, it doesn't really apply to myself and my younger brother. But here's the question. Why is favoritism found in some families, and what can you do about it? Um, oh, I mean, favoritism is is unbalanced favor, right? So it's that that one of the siblings um, receives more favor than the others, and uh, you know, me personally, my parents were pretty fair. It sounds like kind of like you guys. Um, oh, praise God! You don't have to have therapy. No, no, and or counseling, or be on a talk show. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could still be on a talk show if I really wanted to. I, I think I do it every week, kind of. It's almost like this is a talk show. Huh. 
Weird. Um, so anyways, unbalanced favor it can cause a lot of problems. You know, I know that uh, in our family, you know, with, you know the girls are um, very close in age. And so if I get one for one, I have to get the same thing or an equivalent for the other. And even then, if they're different colors, sometimes they'll fight over it, right? I mean, it just is what it is. Just sharing a little bit about your family. Well, it just is what it is. It's one of those things that that, uh, happens in, I think, any family that has young kids. Are we born selfish? Uh, Well, I do have a theory that everyone thinks that the first word their kids say is like mama, dada, or whatever. I don't think so. I think the first word is mine. 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 Oh, mine, yeah. mine, yeah, mine. Oh yeah. So, uh, but what can you do about it? I think that the important thing is, is first and foremost, that if you're experiencing the the short end of the stick on favoritism in a family, then to just remember that um, your identity is in Christ. Your identity is is God. It says who you are. And I would just encourage you and let you know that um, you know your parents, whoever they are, and whatever family members are showing favoritism over another, um, they're not the final judge and they're not the final jury. God himself is your father and and he has an identity for you and he has a purpose for you and i would just i would just say that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the riches and glory that he has for his children are beyond comparison of what we could ever get here on earth and so just remembering that i think is is comforting and you know knowing that we can can almost invest that pain or 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 lack into faith that God has more for you, and, and he won't disappoint. And, and the Bible says, be no respecter of persons. Right. You know, and so that's that's really, really important as well. So we're going to switch gears now. Now we, we have Joseph in Egypt, and uh, his, his brothers did him in, and, and of course the, the father Jacob thinks Joseph has been killed by a wild beast. He's yeah. got the coat, he's the blood's on it. He's like, he's, he's done, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> but little does he know. And, and of course the family is hiding a secret, aren't they? Yeah. So with that said, we're going to switch gears now, which is very interesting, because now we're going to go from the house of Joseph to the house of Judah, and I'm going to let Ryan take that. Uh, Judah and Tamar, this story is going to unfold. I'm going to let him handle that one uh, while I uh, sip a little bit of coffee. All right, well, you enjoy. No tea today, huh? Yeah, give me some uh, some lowdown here on Judah and his little escapades. Yeah, no, this is interesting. Uh, So uh, chapter 38, verses 1 through 5, we're going to read that real quick. It says, And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite, whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her, and she conceived and bare a son, and and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah, and he was at Chesib uh, when she bare him. Uh, and that's one through five. So uh, Judah went down from his brethren and turned to a certain Adulamite named Hira. Now She's like doing his own thing. It's his little storyline. Right, right. Now, um, the name here, Hira, is, is the name of this guy, but it's also, um, it's a noble name. The name means, you know, uh, means nobility of some sort. So he's obviously... Um, you know, he's from the Adulamites and he's well to do with the Adulamites. And I think that what happens is that Judah and him end up becoming good buddies. Um, because later on he sends him to, to do his, uh, some of his dirty business. Right. So, uh, you know, Judah has relations with one of the daughters of the Canaanites named Shua and she bears him three sons, Ur, um, or which is, I think pronounced Ire, which means awake, Onan, which means strong and Shelah, which means petition. And I'll let you kind of figure out if there's any any um, rhyme or reason here behind the names themselves. Um, but uh, 
eventually, uh, his firstborn son takes a wife, and her name is Tamar. And we have a Tamar here in our congregation. Um, and so, uh, you know, Ur, which was Judah's firstborn son, uh, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. So uh, Ur gets married to Tamar, and he dies before having children. And so uh, traditionally, the way this works in, in, is that the brother would then take the, the other brother's wife, the widow, carry on that family line, to carry on the family line, to provide children in the name of his brother, Ur, right? So to carry on his seed. So uh, Judas' uh, secondborn son refused to carry on his brother's seed, um, his offspring, and ended up spilling his seed on the ground. So he, he does something uh, unrighteous. He he goes and he, he's going to do it, but then he decides not to. And this displeased the Lord, and the Lord slew him as well. So now two of, of, uh, of Judah's sons have died. And unfortunately, uh, Shelah is too young to get married yet. So Judah told Tamar to wait for his thirdborn son, Shelah, to grow up, and then they could marry. Um, and so after Judah's wife died and he was comforted, uh, he went up with the sheep shearers to Timnath with Hira the Adulamite. So we kind of broken off in the story. Um, you know, his sons have died, his wife has died, and he has this one son, Shelah. And uh, when Shelah's, uh, when Sh- when Shelah, Judah's thirdborn son, was grown, and Tamar realized that he was not going to be her husband, um, she decided to dupe Judah, plays the harlot, so that he will lay with her. So so keep in mind. So he's on his way to Timnath with the sheep shears with Hira the Adullamite. And on the road, she plants herself with a veil and everything. And it doesn't say that he had a few drinks either. Mm-hmm. So she was just veiled. And I don't know how that how she pulled that well, off. We don't know when he's... I, I was, I'm I, just wondering, you know, even if you have a veil, how do you know that's not your daughter-in-law? Your daughter-in-law? It's a good question. I'm not 100% sure how that works either, um, except for to say that... This is bizarre. He may not have seen her in a long time because there's a lot of time that has passed. That's true. Because does it say that she's in her father's house? Uh, I think there's actually a verse. It, it, it may say that, actually. I think it yeah. says she goes back to her father's house. So maybe that's where she's at, waiting, waiting, and waiting, and waiting. You know, this goes back to even with Lot and his two daughters. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of sexual immorality in the Bible, a lot of things that have happened. Uh, even those that are listening, you know, that, we, you know, people make mistakes, but God still uses us. He still, he, he wants to, you know, uh, put us on the right path, you know, but his, his will will be done, you know, and talking about spilling the seed on the ground, you know, that means you're unclean. You're not supposed to spill your seed as a man, but that's what the Bible says. It's very simple, but it's very interesting how God has, has these, these, you know, these principles. And so I just find it interesting that, you know, here, here's a person that was supposed to carry on, you know, his brother's name. Uh, and his seed. Why? Because in Genesis three fifteen, yeah, there would be enmity between the two seeds, Satan's seed and the woman's seed. Yeah. And so once again, we have this line of Judah that's going to be coming, and God's going to be establishing something through the tribes because Judah has the scepter. Yeah. You know, Judah has the scepter, and Ephraim has the birthright. Remember that. That's all playing out right now. People don't want to talk about it. I do. Because it's a fascinating study because it's God's progressive plan of redemption that's being unfolded right now. And so with that, I'm going to let Ryan finish up with with the story. But uh, it's quite amazing that God is definitely going to have his way in the storyline. Oh, absolutely. So so he's on his way to Timnath. Um, you know, uh, Tamar, uh, knowing that he's on his way to Timnath, is going to plant herself in a, in a way that um, she's going to run into him. But she's going to run into him veiled and dressed as a harlot. And so uh, 
so she places herself in the way where, and I guess as harlots do. And, and at this point, um, Judah's wife has died. So he's looking for, she's dressed like a harlot. Yeah. He's like, okay, let's, let's do this. So, so what does he do? So this, they, they decide on the transaction. Um, when Judah realize does Judah doesn't realize this is, this is Tamar, his daughter-in-law. And so they're negotiating over the price and they come up with a kid from the flock of the goats. Only problem is Judah is traveling and doesn't have his flock with him. Well, remember Judah offers her, Hey, what do you want for me to well, lay right. with you? That's the negotiation. I'm going right. to give you how about a goat? Yeah. Yeah. And she agrees. She's yeah, but he doesn't have the goat with him. Yeah, so he has to lay a deposit in its place, right? And so he's go to your house and get a goat. Right, he's got to come to my house and get a goat. <laughs> I got some goats. Um, yeah, you do. So <laughs> Matt, the uh, I mean, you make me lose my train of thought. Where was I? Okay, so so here. he takes a train of the uh, takes a kid of the goats. Um, or he's supposed to give her a kid of the goats, but he doesn't have it with him. So what does he decide to do? He decides to give her, and this is what man, you know what men listening to this, this is this is essentially what men do, right? He gives her the symbols of his identity and his authority, and good, what good point for stupidity, yeah, for stupid pleasure. Interesting. Oh my gosh! So what he, is he? You know, like, he didn't really sell it. He just it's a pledge. No, no, no. It's, he can get it back. It's like it's, you it's know a it's, deposit. It's a pawn store. <laughs> he's pawning something. Well, he's That's giving her the pawn shops. He's giving her something that she knows that he's going to want back, and so right. that way it, it's 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 a security, right? In order to get back his or to get her goat in the end of all this, um, really it works in her favor because what does he give her? He gives her his signet ring, bracelets, and his staff. So again, the symbols of his um, his authority, the symbol of his wealth, and um, the symbol of his his strength. Now, thank you, Holy Spirit. Check this out, Ryan. It says right there in the beginning, he went down from his brethren. So kind of like losing your identity a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, what's the signet ring and the bracelets and the staff for me even now? Right. You know, because Joseph supposedly had the birthright. Well, so my now wife, there's a vacuum for leadership as well. His wife's dead. His two firstborn sons are dead. Right. And God's going to bring it back. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's going to bring it. And you know what? This is what's amazing, though. It kind of reminds me Esau sold his birthright for soup. Yeah. So this guy's giving away his 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 identity, you know, uh, and and I'm like, this is this is all playing out, you know. And like I said, we're not being critical; we're just pointing out the storyline to make you think what's happening here. Oh yeah. So why why am I telling you this? Because we're going to develop the story of Joseph, because Joseph, of course, what what's happening to him now? He's going to lose his identity because he become a slave in Egypt. He's lost everything. Yeah. His identity, his history, his oh, family. Yeah. He's lost everything. Oh yeah. And because we're going to see how the story develops, you know, he's wondering where is Jacob? Where's my father? How come he's not looking for me? He gives up. Yeah. And that's why he names Manasseh, forgetting. Yeah. I'm forgetting all that because you know what? Forget you. You forgot me. <laughs> right. Forget you. Forget you. And so this storyline is developing, you know, with Joseph and Judah, but this is playing out even today. All of a sudden, the we're considered righteous Gentiles among the Jewish people that are coming alongside and have Torah. But once again, you're going to see the story play out where Joseph reveals himself. And that's what's being played out right now, Ryan, for everybody listening to this podcast. This story is actually developing. So Let's, it, let's see what you got. It there. is. And, and, you know, and to that end, um, you know, I mentioned that, that men do these, make these stupid decisions where they put their, their, you know, authority, their reputation, their lives, everything they own on the line for some, you know, s some silly, you know, getting your kicks. Right. And I think it's just really dumb. 
Um, and it ends up coming back to bite Judah in the, in the, in the rear. And it's going to bite anybody else that, that does these things, especially if you're a servant of God, it's going to come back around. Your sins will find you out. It's not worth it. Um, and so, uh, you know, if things couldn't get worse, right? So he lays with her, uh, and does this transaction, gives her the pledges. And what does she do? She gets pregnant. So, um, you know, Tamer then went away, uh, removed her veil, and put on the garments of her widowhood. So she goes back like nothing back ever happened. Back to her father's house, it says. Right, back to her father's house. And so, like, nothing happened. And uh, and when Judah uh, sent his friend, the Adulamite, so he sends Hira over to take the goat and get his stuff back uh, and, get, and find the harlot, he could not find her. Even the men of the place said there was no harlot in this place. So it's like she's an apparition. She just disappeared. Right, so she was not you know, a harlot by trade, right? She did this specifically for this purpose. She, she duped Judah and, uh, in order to, um, continue the line of her husband, um, you know, forward. And what ends up happening is he goes to find her and she's already dressed back in her garments of widowhood. There's no harlot there. You know, that's interesting. You know, think about what the Bible says in regards to the Torah, Ryan, about secret sins. Oh yeah. Well, if I just cover myself, you can only see my eyes. I can hide this harlot. I can hide. Yeah. You know, and that's even interesting. Even in the book of Leviticus, if you look at it, uh, when it talks about those those secret sins, it's it's because chapters one through seventeen is the way to God, but the walk with God is eighteen to twenty seven. But Leviticus eighteen, I just brought to my mind, are secret sins done behind closed doors. Oh yeah. So what God is saying is that don't have these secret sins behind closed doors if you want to walk with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, and that's why everything's being exposed even today. Things are being exposed, you know, Trump talks about draining the swamp and different things, but there is a lot of corruption, a lot of injustice, and a lot of things that are being exposed. Even years past, things are coming up. Yeah. You know, and uh, we're even having it here at Bait to Heal, you know, you're, you're seeing where, you know, people are having to deal with stuff that happened years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And they're having to, to deal with it, you know. So this this is an interesting but, story how it's going to play out. And the point is, right, there's there's forgiveness with repentance. And so you just have to bring things to the light and, and submit them to the blood of Christ, right? And I think that that's, that's the piece, but you have to first bring it, um, bring it to God so that you guys can deal with it together. Um, so, so in other news... Judah's daughter-in-law is pregnant. <laughs> and so, oy vey, how could that be? Oy vey is right. So, um, so Judah's uh, response to finding out that Tamar uh, is three months pregnant is that he ha- says, "Bring her forth and let her be burnt." And he accused her of being a harlot. And he accused and, her of and being she, a harlot. And she was. Yeah, no, she did. She did it. She so, had to be. Oh yeah, she wasn't married. That's right. So, so what did Tamar have? Well, and let me clarify something here, right? So, uh, I'm not exactly sure how um, the Torah. Maybe you can can shed some money on this. Handles harlotry, right? I know how it handles yeah, adultery. That punishment of being burned. I'm not real familiar with that. Yeah, that That's... was yeah. Well, for this punishment for adultery is stoning, but at this point, right? Um, he hasn't done right by her. So, does that make her an adulteress? We we don't really know, right? That judgment is so, pretty severe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So he says, let her be burnt. Um, so what does she do? She says, well, um, you know, look what I got. Um, in, uh, in verse 25, I'm actually going to yeah, read Genesis it to you. Yeah, Genesis 38, 28. Let's, let's, this is like a, a court case. Yeah, it says, when she was brought forth, so he has her brought forth, um, and this is a, being brought forth maybe in, in some public setting, right, that the punishment is going to be rendered based on a judgment. Um, and so he has her brought forth, and uh, she sent to her father-in-law saying, by the man whose these are, Am I with child? And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these? The signet, bracelets, and staff. So what does she do? She says, Oh, 
uh, I'm pregnant by whoever owns these. And here's verse 26. It says, And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shelah, my son, and he knew her again no more. Oh, to be self-righteous is the worst thing. To think you're better than somebody else. Or that, look at me, look at this, you know. Yeah. And here he was, you know. A hypocrite. Well, you know, that's that's the danger, though. Even in the pulpit, Ryan, we should always preach truth and good things. Because when you get in the pulpit and start bashing groups of people or the church or different things. Yeah. Chances are you're probably doing something. Yeah. You're hiding something. Yeah, yeah. Because you're trying to elevate yourself over that situation, whatever. And I don't think that's the place for that. I don't think we should be doing that, you know? And and especially when it comes to the church or whatever. I think we need to know that, um, you know, um, we need to be sharing what is truth and, and how to increase our faith. And, yeah. You know, and, and I love, you know, just real quickly here, even like with the situation with Kanye West supposedly being born again and having an experience and, and calling Jesus King and different things. People have been critical of him and second-guessing him. But I'm going to tell you something, everyone. Jesus actually said in the New Testament, if you're not against me, you're for me. Yeah. So I'm just saying that be careful. And a lot of this has to do with us being jealous or envious of Kanye's wealth and, and fame or whatever it is. But I'll tell you, you know, we have to be careful. Yeah. Because a lot of things are happening around us. And I think to get on and, and make a YouTube channel or whatever and just come after people and blast them for their faith or whatever, uh, I'll give you another example. Lauren Daigle, you know, they're saying, well, she's not a Christian. She doesn't even have Jesus in her songs. You know, you're you're on thin ice, folks. You better watch out for that. Yeah. Because if God can use Trump, he can use Lauren Daigle. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, how else is he going to get the gospel? How else is he going to get people to even, you know, look at her walk or whatever? Yeah. And so I'm just saying this because that's what happens in social media. It's called Lashon Hara. It's called gossip. It's called slander. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yep. So the truth comes out. Um, Judah has to acknowledge that she was more righteous than he. And so he he basically, this is, uh, an, you know, him repenting. Uh, at this point for his actions and not doing right by her. And, uh, and it says that he knew her again no more. So then that was it. That, that was kind of the, the end of it. I think he released her from her obligations. Um, now you have a seed. And now you have a seed, right? So Tamar was carrying twins in her womb. Um, one of the children, uh, so, and this is the birth story, right? So this is interesting. One of the children puts their hand out and the midwife put a scarlet thread around it only to have the hand pull back in the womb. As the hand pulled back, his brother came out as the firstborn, and his name was Ferez, which means breach. And then the second brother, who came out after with the scarlet thread around his hand, was called Zerah, or Zerach, uh, which means sunrise or brightness. And uh, what's interesting is we read about the seed all through uh, Genesis, right, in 3.15, about the enmity between the seed. Um, and then again in 49.10, where it says uh, Judah is a lion's whelp, right? And that uh, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, uh, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And those are just by my memory. Um, but then we also have uh, Numbers. Where, where are you going, Numbers or Matthew? No, no, I'm, I'm just looking up something. Okay, so but then uh, we bump forward to Matthew 1.3, and it shows Perez, um being part of the lineage of Messiah. So it shows Yeshua's um, you know, lineage, and it shows Perez right there in it. And so I guess the question we could ask is, why is the line of Messiah so important for all mankind as Perez is mentioned as part of the genealogy? Wow, what an incredible question. 
Why is the line of Messiah so important for all of mankind as far as is mentioned as part of the genealogy? Because here's the thing, you know, uh, as God has created the Homo sapiens, as he, he has created the human race in his own image, by the way, he's created many things, many creatures, many, many, many living organisms. I'm going to tell you that um, it is so important to know that there was a prophecy, once again, enmity between the two seeds. So what's playing out, Ryan, is that Satan wants to kill the seed. Right. He wants to kill the seed of Messiah because he knows the Messiah is going to come through the humans. That's right. And that's what's incredible. Now, he didn't understand the full plan and this and that or the cross, but you know, if I could just kill him, yeah. I win. Well, but now, see, in killing him, he lost. Exactly, because now, because of the work of the cross that Yeshua did, right? That's right. Now, through Christ, we are the seed. Absolutely. We, we are. We, we are the children of the promise. And whoever attains to the promise is accounted as Abraham's seed. That's found in Romans 9. Uh, but once again, Ryan, this is what's really incredible. It's the simple fact that God created us. We messed up. He had to give us a way out. And it's incredible that, that he would come in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the right arm, uh, with an outstretched arm, I have saved you. And like I said, Satan wanted to kill the seed. And so we're seeing this being played out. Even Cain killed Abel. Right away, Satan knew the prophecy. Oh, yeah. But she had another son. Eve did. See, why? Because we need a redeemer. Yeah. And the story of, of course, the Exodus. Let's drown all the male children. Let's kill them all. Because there's this Messiah coming. I'm not going to let them go, you know, let my people go. Really? So so we can see this is, is, is going to be played out. And even with Herod, you know, uh, in Bethlehem, kill all the male children two years and under. You know, Rachel weeping for her children, for they are no more. But if you go back and read it in context, that cross-reference to Jeremiah, Rachel's children are doing well. Yeah, they are. So here's the good news, Ryan. The seed of Messiah has lived and, and, and actually fulfilled his purpose. You know, the purpose-driven life. You know, he said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he came and he renewed that marriage covenant. He renewed that betrothal. And that's where we're at prophetically today. So this is definitely a praise report in regard to the seed of the Messiah. It's incredible. Amen. So we're going to move on to the uh, to, to Joseph and Potiphar's wife now. Once again, it seems like this Torah portion is full of some form of sexual immorality. Oh, yeah. Not that that's not happening in our culture. Oh, for sure. Uh, boy, do we really have to avoid that? I'll tell you, it's, it's, you got to purposely avoid sexual immorality. You know, turning your eyes away, whatever you have to do. Don't watch improper things. So you know I'm, only, I'm only sharing that. I once watched uh, Pastor Wayne Cordero out of Hawaii. Um, and, uh, he does a message, uh, about, you know, getting into the Bible and, and reading the word of God. And he says, he does this cool, you know, section in his message talks about his best friends are in the Bible. And he talks about, you know, um, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm in a hotel, I do a lot of traveling and speaking in all these different places. And I'm sitting at the bar by myself, just kind of waiting for, um, my room to get ready or to his flight. I can't remember what it was. And he says, this lady comes and sits next to him. Right. And she starts talking to him. And this happens in hotels, and it happens in, in airports and stuff like that, in places that are busy. Um, and, you know, I don't know that he realizes that he's being solicited or whatever, but he looks over, and she's an attractive woman. And he says in the corner of his eye, vroom, he sees Joseph running. And he says, my best friends are in the Bible. He says, what do you do when this happens? You run. You run. <laughs> you run. That, that, that's good, Ryan. I, I tell you, you know, and, and thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, um, I believe that this culture, you know, is just saturated with sexual morality. It's just saturated, you know. There's not just, they say, well, it's soft porn or porn, but it's porn. But here's the thing I want to remind everyone, uh, real quickly here, just, just to touch base. 
before the children of Israel went into the promised land, oh, and by the way, it was the next generation, mm, Yeah. sexual immorality came into the camp at Baal Peor. That's right. Now, the golden calf incident was about idolatry turned into sexual immorality. Yeah. But what happens with sexual immorality today, it turns into idolatry. It does. And your body is not your own and all these things. So just just think about it. The Bible's full of encouraging scriptures and verses. And, and remember, he'll never put more on you than you can handle. And that is in regards to temptation. Sure. You can fight off the temptation. Joseph is a great example. What an encouraging example that Joseph is as we see the story unfold. And we're not going to read, but we're going to go right into the storyline. But once again, you know, uh, we know that the occult and sexual immorality happened to Israel before they went to the promised land. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the occult today with Balaam trying to put a curse on them and using he's a soothsayer. He's a diviner, you know. And once again, a curse does not come without a cause. Yeah. You can't just curse people. They're not cursed. God's people are blessed. Those of you listening to this podcast, you are blessed. Say it with me. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. Amen. So now we're going into Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph had favor from the Lord, and he prospered in the house of Potiphar, his master. He truly did. Yep. And, uh, and so Joseph was a good person, and he was well-favored. And in that verse, verse 6, this word good, it actually says goodly. It's toar, which is referring more to his appearance. So he's a very handsome A handsome man. guy. He's yeah. a Fabio. Yeah, oh yeah. So Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph to lay with her, but he knew it was a great wickedness and a sin against God. Joseph had great respect and honor for his Potiphar. Uh, or for Potiphar, his master, a honor for Potiphar, his master. So, so Joseph had, you know, he, he not only feared God and it was wickedness, but he did honor his master. He's like, listen, lady, he's put me in charge of all these things and he trusts me. He trusts me. And so Potiphar's wife attempted to get Joseph to lay with her day after day, but he denied her every time. Boy, that's like a dripping faucet. Chinese yeah. water torture. Yeah, yeah. Just dripping, 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 you know. And so when nobody was in the house but Joseph and Potiphar's wife, she grabbed his garment saying, lie with me, lie with me. Joseph left his garment in her hand and he fled. Oh, now, yeah. once again, here's a garment. You know, there's three things that can be contaminated, Ryan. There's, of course... It's, it's housing. Your house can be contaminated. Skin and clothing. Yeah. And these are like protective mechanisms for us. The house protects the body. The skin protects the body. The clothing protects the skin. And yeah. so think about that. So and now there's something sudden, to this, this. He gets stripped of his, of his coat, yeah, what, his garment, yeah, yeah, before he, everything he, that happens bad to him, right? Well, so That happened before. Right, when his brothers threw him in the his, pit. His, his, his authority was taken from his right. coat. And of course, you know, it's interesting that... Um, Potiphar's wrath was kindled, and he put Joseph into prison. You know, when his wife made all these charges, he put him in prison. Now, now I would say this. Uh, Joseph probably should have died. Oh, right. But I think but because Potiphar of those charges, knew. and they're among the elite or whatever, they're among the upper class of society there, whatever it is, in Pharaoh's court, uh, he just wanted to put Joseph in prison. Yeah. And so, really, uh, Joseph made out in that regard. Why? Because God had a plan for him. And it says in Genesis 39, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't Joseph's fault that Potiphar's wife came on him and did what she did, but he responded by fleeing. Remember, no temptation has overtaken you that you cannot overcome. You know, so many people take that out of context. I shared this yesterday at the Torah study. We say, oh, well, God will never put more on me than I can handle. 
No, he's going to put more on you. When you're pressed, he'll press you even more. That's in regards to temptation. Right. You know, and matter of fact, that's part of the Lord's prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So see, God is not the tempter. He doesn't tempt us and deliver us from evil and deliver us from temptation or deliver us from evil. Uh, and so once again, we see the story being played out. And now all of a sort, so all of a sudden we're going to go into, uh, now Joseph had some dreams when he was a, a teenager. But now Joseph is going to interpret some dreams. Ryan, you want to take over uh, in regards to, you want to read Genesis 40, verses 1 through 3? Uh, yeah, 41 through 3 is, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. Wow. So here we go. Now, this is very interesting because now we're going to learn a little bit more even about Pharaoh. So once again, we have the chief butler and the chief baker. Okay. And Pharaoh was angry with them. And he, he discovers this. He's talking with them. And so while the butler and the baker were in prison, they both dreamed different dreams the same night. Amen. The same night. Now the butler and the baker were sad about their dreams because there was no one to interpret them. But Joseph told them that the interpretations belong to God. Yeah. Now if he knows that, Ryan, he's got two dreams in his pocket, right? He's got two dreams about the, the sheaf and the sun, moon, and stars. Right. You know he's still thinking about that. I wonder what that means. Yeah. Because you know that hasn't been fulfilled. So he's holding those those two dreams in his long-term memory, by the way. And, of course, they're frustrated. And, of course, uh, they were sad. They, they, no one can interpret the dreams. But Joseph comes on the scene. He's at the right place at the right time. And God's going to use Joseph now. And, of course, the end result for the butler and the baker... After Joseph interpreted their dreams, well, the butler was fully restored to serve the Pharaoh after three days. But the baker would be hung on a tree and the birds would eat his flesh after three days. Oh. You know, and of course, you know, this this is not really, really cool. Uh, now the butler is, you know, the chief butler was the chief butler, you know. I mean, he could even been considered maybe the cup bearer. Maybe he drank from Pharaoh's cup because yeah. it, it's going to say that he eventually was given back to, to serve Pharaoh his cup. But once again, you know, I'm a, I'm a gentleman who, I love pastries. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if you mess up those pastries, and if I was Pharaoh, maybe I wouldn't have been as harsh, but have you ever had a bad pastry? <laughs> There's no living it down. You know a good pastry Yeah. when you know a good pastry. Yeah. Or how about eating a loaf of bread and the middle's not no cooked, you know? Oh, man. Kind of half-baked, half like, baked. like a frying is. Half-cocked, <laughs> half-baked. So this is what this is what transpired. You know, this actually... Uh, took place. And so uh, Joseph, he asked the chief butler to mention him to Pharaoh in order to get out of prison. You can find this in Genesis 40, 14. It says here, but think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness, I pray thee unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. Okay, so here he goes. So anyway, so he's asking the chief butler to remember. And did the chief butler remember him? Nope. The answer is no. No, no, he did not remember him. And we just leave you with that particular story, you know. And, and, and so, you know, as we look at this story developing, here's a great question, Ryan. Uh, Joseph was a dreamer and interpreter of dreams. What's your dream, Ryan? Oh, man, I have a dream of seeing 
the whole house of Israel reunited, right? I mean, just the that's my dream. The the Jews and the non-Jews, and and just the people of God, um, you know, coming to the knowledge of their identity in Christ as the seed of Abraham, as grafted into Israel, and having a right action. Man, if the people of God would just rise up and just join together in communities around the world in that manner, with Israel as um as it's you know as it's 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 geographical center point. I mean, I just I can. It, see it's it. exciting, Ryan. And you know, it's not for everybody. God and, wishes it would win the lottery. Everybody. Win the lottery, throw that in there. But you know, I, I would have to say, you know, and, and it's coming to pass, but we're not quite there. The, the, the fruition of it is developing. It's it's kind of green or a little bit ripe here. But anyway, um, of course, you know, my dream has is, is always been to, to build a strong community and raise up the next generation. Yeah. So I would take my dream a little step further to the point of I really believe that's, I, I'd like to see the next generation pretty much uh, running the, the whole church and everything. Oh, yeah. And we just are like, you know, we are actually like mentors or we're just like a, a guidance counselor or something, mediators, you know. But uh, it's starting to happen. Uh, young people are rising up in our congregation. And uh, I know it's a, a really unique vision because a lot of people separate young people from the other groups. You know, and it's all adults or all gray-haired, but I think we need to have the the younger generation with us as we move forward. Let them have a say. Yeah. Let them let them lead in some areas. You know, I'm talking about 18, 19 year olds. You know, yeah. get bring them along, coach them along. You know, and of course, you know, my my dad ha- has a saying that he shared with me when I was a young man, and it's this. Here's the quote that my dad said to me: "You take away a man's dream, and he has nothing." Let me tell all of you that are listening to this podcast, you're not even Jewish. Don't let nobody take away your dream. Yeah. Be a dreamer. Yeah. Dream big. You know, I believe Beit Tehillah uh, is, is bigger than just Brandon, Florida. You know, I believe we're global, galactic, universal. I believe that our tent pegs are going to be stretched. I'm believing for my dream is a Beit Tehillah Israel, you know, oh, yeah. and that would be incredible. Yeah. I mean, just to have a Beit Israel, you know, to be in Israel, come alongside the Jewish people and, and, and just incredible things happening. So, so I'm definitely hanging on to that dream, Ryan. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we have um, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion by Yeshev and he settled from a consensus of the group. This is, of course, Genesis chapter 37, verse 1, all the, all the way through chapter 40, verse 23. Once again, you have the story of Joseph. You've got the story of Judah here. And then those two will come together. And this story is going to begin to unfold in an incredible family reunion. Oh, by the way, remember, Joseph is in Egypt. He's outside the land of Israel. Like today, the house of Joseph is outside the land of Israel. You know, And just like Joseph losing his identity and losing everything, that was our life. Yeah. And then God began to put his Torah on our minds and our hearts to get our attention, Ryan. And to say, hey, I got something for you. I got something for you. Yeah. And so we start doing Shabbat and, and we start doing the Sabbath and the dietary laws and those simple things that, that we do here, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, God builds it. You know, it started with 12 people in the living room. Now it's around, what, 150 an average, you know. And so it's growing. Yeah. And we're seeing this whole next generation in our midst. I mean, the demographics are pretty incredible because I'm seeing the dream come to pass in the point of we had a handful of children in 2002. So, you know, like I said, in just 17 years, one third of our congregation is youth and children. And I'm seeing it in front of me and all these little kids running around, 
if you ever watch our services, you you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There, there's all ages, but the, these little ones are running around. They're just full of life. And so that is something that only God can do. Oh, and also bringing together all the different ethnic groups like Mexico and England and the Puerto Ricans, you know. I mean, it's incredible what's happening, uh, and, you know, what God is doing. And we can see this actually taking place. And so when we look at these, what, what lesson can really be learned here? I would say that no matter what happens, God's plan will be fulfilled through a people. Mm, interesting. No matter what happens, God's plan will be fulfilled through a people. Yeah. So, I, are I, you the people, Ryan? Oh, I'm definitely the people. You listening on the podcast? Are you the people? Oh, they are the people. We the people. We the people. That's right. Boom. So I had my our two points in our group were were pretty cool. There's you know some some I don't want to say controversy, but there's some discrepancy as to whether or not Benjamin was alive when Joseph was at home, right? And uh, uh, Ashafraga brought up that the uh, sun, moon, and 11 stars are mentioned as bowing down or uh, giving obeisance to Joseph in his dream. And so whether or not Benjamin were, was alive at the time, um, which we think that he was, um, that yeah, there's, was. there's 11 stars there yeah. that are bowing down to him. So, th- so that kind of gives a little, like a little key, right? A little piece that so he's why not would really there be a dream? But these are yeah. Why would there be eleven stars bowing to Joseph? Because he's not the twelfth one. Because he is the twelfth one, right? Well, he is the twelfth. That's one, what I meant. There's eleven. Yeah, right. That's a good point. So then um, the second uh, point was, uh, you know, Judah and Joseph both got themselves into trouble uh, by being in positions that were precarious. And so I think my my advice to all of you out there is don't put yourself in precarious positions. Um, obviously Joseph was innocent, but it, the, the verse says he was home alone with Potiphar's wife. So, right. He could have put himself outside or done something different. Or maybe he didn't realize he was alone. It's possible. I'm not, listen, I'm not blaming the victim here in Joseph's case. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, in, in Judah's case as well, um, you know, he put himself in a position, uh, to be embarrassed and to, um, and, 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 and all because he wasn't being righteous from the get-go and then, you know, going and finding a harlot or what he so, so thought was a harlot, um, all not good. So uh, so be good. So, wow, Vyashev, man. The story of Joseph has commenced. We are full steam ahead. We sure are. Man, the, these tour portions just get better and better as we go. Just like I'm like last week was the greatest tour portion ever. And then like this week, I'm like, man, no, this is the greatest tour portion ever. It's like every week I'm like in the greatest tour portion because it is this week's tour portion. Very good. So anyways, praise God. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you want to live stream our services, you can do so on praise.net or any of our social media platforms. And that is, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, YouTube, all of the above. And uh, every Shabbat at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then uh, our Hanukkah services are going to be live streamed as well. And I mentioned to you guys those are uh, coming up on the 23rd, the 28th, and the 29th. Um, and uh, and that's that. So uh, also if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. We thank you guys for listening. We love you. God bless you. And have a great week.